Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Ooh, what else do we have? Amen. But a heart full of hallelujah. You know, you oftentimes you may hear me say that from time to time. I just like to shout hallelujah every once in a while. You know, that word for praise uh, is, translates the same in every language. Isn't that interesting? And uh, I love that. It's a universal language. And how about this? When you and I say it, we're joining the angels. They're saying it in heaven. And we're saying it down here. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, tonight, I'm, I don't know about you, but I needed that last song to tell me, get on up. Come on, get up. You know, praise the Lord. Sometimes the heat will get you down. Sometimes life will get you down. Sometimes busyness will get you down. Um, but isn't it good to just praise him, to just turn loose and praise him? By the way, y'all sang out tonight. Amen. Did you hear that? And uh, I love that when you close your eyes and don't hold back and just get, just get after it and praise the Lord. He's worthy. He's worthy of our song. Did you know that? He's worthy of our song. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to join me in the Psalms and specifically in Psalm number 23. Psalm number, anybody ever heard of the 23rd Psalm? Some of you probably could quote it, right? I could probably come out there and sit down and let you come up and preach, but I'm not because I'm going to preach, all right? I got a word on my heart. <laughs> Some of y'all are starting to get out of your seat. I'm like, hang on, hang on, sit down, <laughs> sit down. Uh, God's put a word on my heart tonight, and I, wanna, I can't wait to share it with you, all right? Psalm 23. And as you're turning there and making your way there, Psalm 23, I just have been reveling in the goodness of God. You know, I like to do that. I like to just revel in the goodness of God. And I'm, I'm, I was thinking this weekend... On, on Sunday this week, at one of the service times, listen to this, we had 56 babies in the nursery. Now, now hang on, think about that number. 56 babies in the nursery. Do you know the first Wednesday night I preached 18 years ago, I preached to eight people. Two of them had my last name. I'm not joking. Two of them had my last name. 56 babies in the nursery. I want you to think about those little lives, shaped, molded, exposed to the gospel, discipled by a community of believers, what their lives will look like if mom and daddy will stay faithful. Can you imagine? And what their lives will look like if you and I will uh, take the assignment seriously to shape and mold them. Uh, So that's my segue, you ready? We need some more of you to be willing to serve in the nursery, okay? And so I need you to pray about that. But you may be thinking to yourself, well, I'm not really gifted for that. Oh, yeah, if you've got some arms and legs, you can, hey, listen, you can, you can rock a baby. And, and, and so there'll be some in there paired with you that can help change diapers and what have you and th- those kinds of things. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm putting a plea out there. Um, there are children, I believe, one of the greatest resources God's given the church. And so I pray that right now the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to hearts in this room and you're hearing him and you'll not be disobedient to the call and you'll say, I want to do whatever it takes to see God continue to do what he's doing here and that everybody, not just a few people are carrying the load, but all of us share a little bit of it together, right? More of us that come together, the further out it is that we serve the same time. We don't want those that are serving faithfully to burn out. Y'all tracking with me? And so I just wanted to encourage you that way tonight, okay? Y'all, can y'all smile at me? That's a good thing, man. Some of you say, I don't, you know, I don't know what I can do. I just gave you a great idea about what you can do. Amen. And we need you. And, and part of this thing, listen, God didn't put you in a church. Oh, boy, I got a whole other message brewing in my heart. God did not bring you a spiritual stone into this particular local gathering for you to sit and soak and be a user, not a producer. Hey, hey oh, man, aren't you glad you came on Wednesday night? Now, take that how you will and evaluate your life. What do you do here? How do you serve the body? If you don't, start there. Great place to start. All right? Cool. Here we go. Y'all with me? Everybody, y'all aren't mad yet, are you? Okay, not yet. Good. <laughs> like how you said that. Not yet, preacher. But we're going to get All right, let me ask this question. Everybody get an outline? If you didn't, raise your hand up. We got some in the back. They're ready. Boy, they're sitting back there on go ready to give you an outline. Anybody not get an outline? What? Okay, just one? Hallelujah. Two. 
That's a, man, that, that's talking, that's 99% coverage right there. Uh, thank you for those who are greeting tonight. Thank you for those who are serving in, in the media ministry, both in the production room, running cameras, those who are serving in this room that are serving and around the campuses, both campuses and security. Those are in the teaching our children and keeping the nursery tonight and those who are down at South Camp. I'm telling you, it takes an army of servants uh, to do what God does here every time we meet. And uh, I'm so thankful for him and I'm so thankful for you. I really am. I thank God for you. All right, so let's dive in. Psalm number... 23, okay? Now, what I think would be good for us is just to stand to our feet first, now that you've gotten good and comfortable, you know, and uh, <laughs> got, you, got your spot set up. Uh, stand up for just a minute, and let's do something, okay? <clears throat> let's, uh, let's, let's read through the 23rd Psalm, one uh, through the end, okay? And uh, the whole thing, that okay with y'all? All right, one through six, and then, and then really probably we'll only cover verse one, um, but if we have enough time, okay? So, uh, let's dive in. Psalm 23, beginning in verse number one. A Psalm of David. Uh, David, by the way, you remember before he was the mighty warrior and the king. Uh, he was, does anybody know what he did? He was a shepherd. All right, so let's read what he has to say. Psalm 23, verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Boy, we didn't even plan that, did we? And look how the Holy Spirit just did that. Let's pray for just a moment. Will you bow with me? Father, I just thank you so much that when you do something like what you just did, uh, we didn't have any directions from anybody to say, hey, let's all read this out loud, um, but that your Holy Spirit prompted your people uh, to read your word together. Thank you for that. What a special touch tonight. Now, Lord, would you help me to preach this word in all my inadequacies? Lord, I don't have to tell you, you know me better than I know myself. But I really do ask you, Lord, that for those who are here tonight and experiencing the message with me, that what they hear and see would draw them closer to you. That God, what they would see is a less than ordinary man who has failed in more ways than he cares to imagine, that they would see on display what you can do with a broken, messed up life. And I pray, Father, that as you empower me by the gift of your spirit and the gift of preaching, that you would preach your word by your spirit through this broken vessel. And at the same time, Lord, as you do that, you'd preach to me. I need tonight to be reminded that, Lord, there's a place of contentment, but to be careful about complacency. So, Lord, would you tune our ears into your voice? Lord, would you cause us not to be distracted by anything? Help us to stay in our seat, not moving around if we can help it. Father, I pray for those of us in the room who have a hard time locking our attention on anything. I pray that in this place, you'd bind the enemy of Satan from the outside. You'd bind the enemy of our flesh from the inside. And it would be as if you have just got a hold of our attention. There's one channel, and we're just locked in. And that, God, we'd sit on the front edge of our seat, and we would hunger for what you want to say to us. So please speak now through your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all the people of God said... Amen and amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. So what I want to do is go back and look for just a minute at the title. It's a question, okay? And uh, is that question on your outline? Okay, I want you just to read it right there at your chair. Just read it at your chair. Just read it silent to yourself. I'm going to read it out loud. The, the question is, how can I find contentment? All right, read, help me when I stop. You read, all right? How can I find contentment and not complacency? Do you know the difference? How can I find contentment and not Complacency. Now, by the way, do you, know that, do you know that that is really the search of the human soul is to find a place of contentment? Uh, it happens with little children uh, as we get older and uh, we're teenagers and young adults and, and it is the search of the human heart to find a place where we're okay, where we're content. You with me? You agree with that statement? It's why you see people trying all manners of substances and things. It's why some people are workaholics it's why some people are alcoholics. It's why some of us, you know, we all struggle with something. And we oftentimes turn to things that we think will bring us contentment, and they don't. Other times, we find ourselves in a place where we shouldn't be content, 
but instead we're, we find ourselves even in that place being complacent. And so tonight I want to just talk a little bit. Can we just talk together a little bit tonight as we get started? Let's do that. I want you to interact with me a little bit. So you see the, the word first in your outline there, the word complacent. You see that? Now let's look at that definition, complacent. What does it mean to be complacent? What is complacency? What does it mean to be complacent? It, complacent is to be marked by self-satisfaction. Listen close. Especially when accompanied by, you ready? Unawareness, okay? Something's happening and I'm unaware of it. Okay, what is it? Unaware of actual, come on now, we're not interacting right now. Okay, ready? Uh, Listen, of actual dangers and, so there's things that can harm me and some things that aren't what they could be. Dangers and deficiencies. Does that make sense? Now, for just a moment, I want to ask you, have you ever found yourself in a place of complacency? Now, let's, let's talk for a minute about something I share with you guys sometimes that we are, and again, this is just uh, some things that God's shown me, we are three-part beings, okay? We are physical beings, meaning flesh and blood, muscle, bone, you know, that's our physiological structure. It's, it's, it's what we house our soul in, okay? So we're physical. But not only that, we are also emotional, Okay, and those emotions were given to us by God, and one might would say that the center of emotions would be the, would be the mind, and so those are regulated by all kind of things, but we are emotional. Uh, what are some emotions that we have? Y'all help me. Anger. Whoa, boy, I heard anger all over the place. Y'all must be mad today. It was like one roar, angry. I was like, oh, man, okay, all right. Okay, <laughs> anger is one, yeah. All right, what else? Fear is an emotion. What else? Joy, love. Sadness, happiness, anxiousness, right? There's all kind of emotions. By the way, you realize we, have, we really do have a lot of emotions. We do. And so we're physical, but we're emotional. Um, but at the same time, we are, and this is the eternal portion of us, we are spiritual. And so we have a spirit housed in this physical and emotional uh, being that is going to live forever, all right? And so that is who we really are, our spirit, okay? Now, all three of these areas need to be addressed on the daily. You tracking with me? We need to spend some time focusing on our physical well-being. We need to spend some time, energy, and effort on our emotional well-being, right? You, You talk about like mental health. And we need to spend some time on our spiritual well-being. You guys are tracking well tonight, all right? So we need to spend some time. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will get complacent sometimes in not all three, but sometimes we get complacent in just one or, or two. But, but I would say that there are the occasions that we get complacent in all three. And boy, we, we're a rambling wreck then, aren't we? Uh, when we do that. So I thought back, I was thinking over there about in my own life, uh, and I, you, you guys know that I'm just an open book, so I hope you just love me anyway. Um, but over a year ago, I, I, looked up in the, I looked in the mirror, I looked at a picture, I can't remember exactly what it was, and I thought, man, who in the world is that big joker right there? And it was me. And I realized that I had really been focusing on the spiritual side. Of, you know, I, I never missed a morning with the Lord and, and about the emotional side of it, you know, I, 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 I spend time talking with people about how I'm feeling, what's going on in my mind. I got some close brothers in Christ that I do that with. And, and so I make sure that I don't get stuck in any certain emotion. And I talk through things, pray through things. So t- but I got to thinking about, I had spent zero time in my schedule focusing on my physical. And because of that, I had turned into a balloon. You know, I really had. And, and so I got to think, you know, I was looking, so I've lost over 100 pounds, right, since... A year, a year to have, but here's, here's the thing though. I got to realize, man, I didn't even, like I didn't wake up every day during that time and say, oh, you know, I need to lose, so I need to go to the gym. I need to, no, because I was, I was focused on every other thing. And so I got, here's the word, complacent. I was okay, but there were some dangers. Things like blood pressure, things like blood sugar. Come on, anybody out there? There were some dangers there. So that's, I'm helping you see what complacent means. Complacent means I have a place of peace when I shouldn't. It means that I'm okay and satisfied when I shouldn't be because there's some dangers and some, what's the other part of the definition? Deficiencies. There's some things that are lacking, okay? So I want you to think for just a minute about your own life. Are you complacent? Any area of your life, are you complacent? How's your, how's your physical well-being? Let me just ask you that. Don't answer out loud. It's just between you and the Lord. How's your physical well-being? What, what portion of your day do you devote to your physical health? 20 minutes of exercise, 
drinking a little more water, going to sleep a little earlier, hitting the gym if you can, if you can figure that out and make it into your schedule. So, so what portion of your time have you become complacent in your physical well-being? Second part, have you become complacent in your mental or emotional well-being, right? What does that mean? Well, you need to have some good close friends so you can talk about how you're feeling about things, right? Now, I'm going to say that, uh, guys, we're terrible at this. Somebody amen? All right. And so we are. It's just the truth. And, but we need to have some guys in our life that we can share how we're feeling about things, right? And uh, hopefully if we're married, our spouse as well. And we need to be able to talk about some things. We don't like doing that, but it's good for us, okay? Talk through some things. I'm feeling about some things. Talk how I'm feeling. And then, and then thirdly, and so could it be that you have become complacent in your emotional well-being? You just don't talk about it. You keep a bottle on it. Keep a top on it. A manhole cover over the mess. Some guys have been on the quest for authentic manhood. You know what I'm talking about. We keep that manhood co- manhole cover over the mess that's down there. We don't talk about it. We just sort of stuff it. And it's, oh, it's a terrible thing. So maybe you become complacent in your, think about this now, in your emotional well-being. Okay? And you don't realize it, but, but whether it be your physical or your emotional, man, everybody around you is suffering because of it. But you don't know. You're complacent. You've gotten satisfied. And there's, there's dangers. And there's deficiencies, and it's harming you and others around you, okay? But then, but then maybe it is that you have become, or I have become, uh, we've become complacent in the area of our spiritual well-being. By the way, where is the place that you and I get spiritually healthy, okay? Well, there's one particular place. I'm going to talk about more daily, but, but there's a particular place where Jesus referred to as a hospital. By the way, you know what you go to the hospital for? To get well, to get well. And so the idea that there are hypocrites in here is nonsense, man. Uh, the only person in here that could be a hypocrite is somebody who came here and said, I'm perfect. I'm just here for the show. Now, that'd be a hypocrite. But a hypocrite's not somebody who comes in here still struggling with stuff. Good Lord, that's why we're coming, amen? It's part of what we're coming for is to find healing in community and in accountability and in the preaching of the word of God and those things in serving together in ministry. That's where we find healing for our sick soul, right? In the person of Jesus and the work of Christ in his church. And so maybe this tonight you've become complacent somewhere. Then, then there's the everyday uh, cleansing that we find and healing that we find in a personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus. And it's meeting with him in the morning. And if it's not meeting with him in the morning for whatever reason, it's meeting with him the first opportunity you get. And maybe you've got two babies at home and you're trying to juggle all of that. And so I would say to you, the first moment that you have, you've, you've got to find some time to get with Jesus and in his word and in prayer. And that's where he keeps us from being complacent, okay? And so now, y'all, everybody Okay. We've had some discussion here, you see, to kind of set the tone. Now, I want to talk for a minute about contentment. They're, these are, they seem very similar, all right? So we're going to highlight the difference for just a minute, okay? So complacency is not good. Everybody agree with that? Say amen. <clears throat> we don't want to be self-satisfied when there's danger and deficiency. That's not a good thing, okay? Now, contentment is similar, okay, but those dangers and deficiencies aren't there. Uh, more than that, the awareness of those dangers and deficiencies are there, okay? Now, let me just show for you, all right? Contentment. Contentment is the state of happiness, satisfaction, or help me, inner peace. The state of being content, or contented. Now, what does contented mean? Same thing, so the contentment is the state of being contented. What is contented? Feeling or showing satisfaction with one's possessions, status, or, so no matter what I have, no matter who the, my status, my position is, or whatever situation I'm in. Diagnosis, no diagnosis. Cancer, no cancer. You tracking with me? Uh, married, uh, divorced, no matter those things, I still have a, 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 an inner peace uh, in contentment. It's not that I'm unaware of dangers. It's just that I'm staying close to the one who keeps me safe. Uh, it is not that I'm uh, unaware of the deficiencies, but it's that I'm taking my weaknesses to him like the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, and I'm letting my weaknesses become his strength, right? His strength made perfect in my weaknesses. Not that I'm unaware of them, not that I'm not willing to admit them, but it's that I'm taking them to him and letting his make my strength, his, uh, I mean, my weaknesses, his perfect strength. Oh, I don't know about you, but I, I want to be content. Now, I've got an honest question for you tonight. Don't answer it out loud because we're quick to give that Sunday school answer for our, in our neighborhoods. 
You know what I'm talking about our three neighborhoods in here? We'll answer quick because we don't want to buy our neighborhood sometimes to know what's really going on in our life. And the question I would ask you is, are you content? Don't answer out loud. Are you content? Is there a place of inner peace, uh, satisfaction with your things that you have, or are you always wanting more? Is there something that you wish you had, and without it, right, you think about it a lot. You're, you're researching it. You've got to have it, and it just occupies your time. You think about it a lot. What about your status, who you are, you know, where you rank in the, in the system of this world? What about the situation you're in? Have you got a piece in it, in the middle of it, whatever it is? You've got just a perfect piece that flows through no matter what the circumstance is? Now, if we're honest, uh, some of us would say, uh, okay, here we go. Are there some areas in your life that, that God has made you content? Raise your hand. Areas that you didn't used to be content and you're contented now, okay? Now, here's the moment of truth. <clears throat> Are there some areas in your life, some issues in your life, some situations in your life that you're wrestling through contentment with? Anybody willing to raise your hand? A hallelujah, me too. And maybe there's a situation, maybe there's something that you're going through and you are still wrestling through getting to a place of being content. Let me tell you something, are you ready? It's okay. It's okay. Maybe you have this idea that every Christian is perfectly content in every area of their life and if that were the case, every day would be lollipops and gumdrops. But we're human and we are work in progress. Somebody amen right there. And God uses difficult things to shape us and to mold us and to help us gain a little bit more faith every time that we go through knowing that he's with us and we come out the other side facing a giant and we come out the other side and we got a little more confidence, not in ourselves, but in him. And therefore we have a little more contempt. But the next time the doctor says, I've got some bad news. And there's contempt. You say, yeah, they had that bad news last time. But my God, my God was with me. All right? So uh, we understand the difference between complacent and contentment, right? Now, what does God want us to have? Somebody help me. It would be contentment. He wants me and you not to worry about our possessions, not to worry about our status, not to worry about our situations, but to lock our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So let's dive in now. That was a long prelude, wasn't it? I hope you didn't feel like that was a prelude. That was really a lot of the content of what I'm going to lead into chapter uh, Psalm 23, verse number 1. So, in your notes there, Roman numeral one, I want us to look at Psalm 23 and verse number one. I want you to write this in the notes. So, the question is, how can I find contentment and not complacency? I don't want to be unaware of threats. I don't want to be unaware of danger. I don't want to be unaware, okay, of deficiencies, but I want to have contentment in the midst of them. You with me? I don't want to just have a blind eye to my situation, but I want to know that there's somebody who will help me through, okay? Somebody who's with me on to the other side. So how can I find contentment and not complacency? Number one, you find contentment and not complacency, number one, in the right shepherd. In the right shepherd. Now, that sounds so simple that I believe you could go back there to the three- and four-year-old group. Now, we're not going to do that. Stay in your seats, okay? Because if they see you, they'll come unwound. They want to get out of there, Okay? And, uh, but if we were to go back there, what we would find is uh, oftentimes, right, uh, that, that they are, it's hard for them to follow things. Y'all with me? <clears throat> and so when we're talking about in the right, I believe if we talk to them about, about if you just had the right shepherd, I'm, if you had a good shepherd who loved you, I believe the little three and four-year-olds could understand that, right? So it sounds like an elementary principle, doesn't it? That we just, all we got to do is find contentment in the right shepherd, the problem is we misunderstand that shepherding is a moment-by-moment moment thing. Maybe you'd write that in your notes somewhere. Shepherding is a what? Moment-by-moment moment thing. This shepherding principle of Jesus being the good shepherd is not the moment that I got saved. Uh, he, I called him shepherd and Lord, and that was the end of it. No, no. There's some practicality to it, you see. Uh, you wouldn't call somebody a shepherd unless the shepherd was shepherding the sheep. Somebody say amen right there. And so I'm, I'm afraid that uh, what I want you to know is that, well, the truth of the matter is that something is shepherding us. Something is, now what, is it, what am I talking about here? The shepherd led and, and took care of the sheep. And the purpose of this 23rd Psalm, we hear about this good shepherd who, who obviously in the Old Testament, Yahweh, right? And then Jesus identified it as uh, specifically in John 10 as the Jesus, God, the Son, is the good shepherd, right? He's the shepherd of our soul. And so as we think about that, what it means to find it in the good shepherd, we're being shepherded by something. And sometimes, 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 you with me? Uh, there are other things that shepherd us other than Jesus. 
Y'all, you believe that tonight? Nod your head. Yeah, there are other things that shepherd us. And sometimes it's emotions. And boy, when our emotions shepherd us, we can make a mess of things. Some of the worst situations I ever got myself in is when anger was shepherding my soul. And I was, oftentimes, I've told you, many of you have heard my testimony, growing up in a home where mom and dad abused alcohol and mom with prescription medication and all the chaos that came with that, and it built a lot of anger. But at the early age, I turned that to the Lord. Even at 9 and 10, when I was saved, I learned how to turn that over to the Lord, and it was wonderful. And then later on, I got good at football and started getting accolades, and I swapped my identity. I started worshiping the idol of football. And I'll tell you what, I, a football does not make a good God. And so I had all this anger down there, and it didn't take care of it. And I started pouring a little alcohol in on top of that in the, in the, in the uh, college years. And man, anger drove the activity of my life. And I'm telling you, some of the worst things I ever did was when anger was the shepherd of my soul. I said things. Anybody can, y'all looking at me like I'm the worst thing ever happened. And I'm, I'm pretty, as bad as you may think it was, it's worse than that. But at the same time, I would say to you this. I said some things to people I never in a million years can believe that I said. You ever said something because anger was your shepherd? You ever said some things you wish you could get back? Some of you right now are thinking about the person beside you. There's been some things in the past, maybe even recently, that anger was the shepherd. And because anger was the shepherd, we said something mean, cruel, bitter, hurting. Anger. When it's your shepherd, you'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. What else? There's other things that shepherd us. Y'all help me. What are some other things that sometimes shepherd me and you? I guess anger was it. Everybody just got quiet. Anxiety, right? Anxiety. So what, what does our life look like when anxiety is our shepherd? Fear. We, 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 we retreat. We, we back up. We, we, here's a word. We isolate. Uh, when anxiety gears what we do, I'm telling you, we do all kinds of harmful things, right? When anxiety dictates what we do. When you look at some of the uh, times in psychology where anxiety is the governing issue of the life, it'll cause you to do all kinds of stuff, man. Wash your hands till they bleed, it, it, anxiety, it's, it's, a, it's an amazingly powerful thing, just like anger. I'm telling you, these emotions are powerful things. And so we've been shepherded by a many a thing in our life. But listen to what David said about this. Now, now when you read <clears throat> verse 2 and on following, you find out about a place. Listen, where did I get the word contentment? Well, it's a green pasture. A brown pasture is not content. <laughs> a green pasture is what? Contentment. Rough waters, now what I've found, it was some research I was reading about sheep, they don't like to stir, or they don't like to drink from water that's stirred with ripples and waves, they, they generally won't fool with it. But if the water is still and still, that's why it says, let me beside the still waters so that you can get a drink. You know where there's contentment, green pastures and still water because a sheep can get a good drink and you need water to live. And so all of this psalm speaks of, hey, you put up, a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What's he talking about? <clears throat> when you're eating supper, isn't it one of the most peaceful times, right? And you're just enjoying the meal and enjoying people. We were talking today, uh, we were, staff, we were praying, uh, and I was thanking God at, at mealtime that God gave us taste buds and flavors, and y'all hear me talk about that a lot, but he didn't have to do that. <clears throat> and, and at mealtime, you're, you're not, you're, hopefully you're kind of just re relaxing and spending some time together. Some of my favorite memories growing up with my family, as my family was growing up, were the times that we spent at the table together, doing our Bible studies together, me hearing from their little hearts. You know, and I'd ask them, how was your day? And, you know, maybe one of them got picked up on the playground. You got to talk through that. And, and you know, and just, it's just some of the greatest. So <clears throat> you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. means this. There's an enemy that's there. It's not that you're unaware of the enemy. He didn't say that you set a table for me in the presence of all my friends. Uh, that'd be complacent when the friends were really enemies, right? But contentment says, even though my enemy's present, I'm able to sit down and enjoy what? A meal. You set the table for me. I'm able to sit down, <clears throat> get my napkin off the, you know, put it in my lap. My enemy's out there wanting to tear me to shreds. I'm able to pick which fork. You know, you ever sit somewhere and I got three different shapes forks? Isn't that wonderful? And uh, somebody told me one time, what do you do? I just pick up the closest one and go at it. And I'm able to pick a fork and pick up my knife and, you know, reach over that pitcher of water and pour my, and the enemies out there want to tear my head off and destroy my family. And I'm able to pour my glass of cool water and I like a little lemon in my water. I'm able to reach over and get a lemon off the table, squeeze a little of that lemon juice in there. My enemy's over there growling and snarling and he's wanting to tear me to shreds and destroy everything good in my life. And I'm able just to enjoy me. See the picture? You know what it is? Contentment. 
It's not that I'm unaware that he's there. It's not that I'm unaware that there are demons working against me. It's that I know who is my shepherd. So where can I find contentment, not complacency? It's in the right shepherd. It's when the right one is leading me. And I want you to understand tonight, the right one is Jesus. Jesus. Amen, it's Jesus. Let me give you some verses. It's in your notes there, isn't it? No, no, I think I took it out. Is John 10 in there? It's only referenced. It's not written all the way down, right? The reason I did is because you'd have had about a three-page outline, and we didn't want to do it. It would have been difficult. So it's going to be on the overhead for you, but you've got it in your notes. So to go read it later. John 10, 11 and 18, right? 11 through 18. Here's what he said. Jesus, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, now he's going to compare the difference. A hireling is he who is not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. Now listen, here's the difference. Leave that up there for me if you will. The hireling only wants to use the sheep for a profit. Is anybody out there? A hireling, what does that mean? Somebody hired to take care of the sheep. He doesn't care about the sheep. He's only there to what? Make a profit, turn a profit, get something out of them. Use them, if you will, to receive a profit. Do you see a picture of the enemy? He just wants to use you. He wants to trick you. He wants to cause you to turn your allegiance to another shepherd so that you lose, right? Steal, kill, destroy. He wants to turn you away from the things of God. He wants to rob your life of all that God wants to put there in this path of of joy and peace and patience and long suffering, all the things that God puts into our life. And so I want you to see what's happening here is there's a comparison between the true shepherd and all the other fakes. And by the way, the greatest fake in your life is your own flesh. And he or she wants to be the shepherd. The old you, the you that was you before Jesus came into your life. The you that was born with his back or her back turned away from God. The you that was born and said, I just want to have as much fun as I can have every moment. I don't care what it costs. My, me, mine. And that nature wants to get back in the position of leadership. It wants to get back in the position of shepherding you uh, because it, listen, and you say, well, why? Well, the enemy, the external enemy, his, his reasoning is different. He just wants to rob God of glory. But the internal enemy is not interested in the glory. The internal enemy just wants to have fun and do whatever pleases the flesh. So you're beginning to understand how these two work against you. Come on, somebody. This would be ha-ha moments going on out there. And so there's the hireling. That represents somebody who's not in it for the betterment of the sheep, only for the betterment of that person, okay? Y'all tracking with me? Okay, so in the right shepherd, that's where we find contentment, not complacency. Let me read on. I am, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. When danger comes, he's gone. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling. And because, read with me, and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life, listen to this, for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Now he's talking about the Jews, and now he's talking about outside of that fold being the Gentiles. You know who that is? Most every one of us in here, aren't you glad? Uh, not just Jews, but Gentiles alike. Jesus came, tore down the middle wall of separation. He made one family out of both, Jew and Gentile, through the precious blood of Jesus. We can all be children of God. We're not all. We're not all, but we can all. That's <laughs> good news, isn't it? Be children of God. By the way, I've caught a lot of flack over that. Y'all pray for me because I've lost some sleep over it. I really hadn't. You know why I haven't? I was quoting Jesus. I just quoted Jesus. So, you know, sometimes people don't like that. Uh, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also, listen to what Jesus said, I must bring. I'm so glad he brought me in to the fold. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Listen, isn't that wonderful? No one takes it from me, Jesus said, that I lay it down of my own accord of myself. I have power to lay it down. Somebody help me, and I have power Take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Listen to me. There's only one qualified to be the shepherd of your soul, and his name is Jesus. I wonder today, who or what is your shepherd? I want you to ponder for a moment what that means. What does it mean? 
who's my shepherd? I'm, I'm, I don't have it. What is a shepherd? It's the, it's the person or the thing that is leading you. Now you say leading me where? Well, what did he mention in the psalm? To the green pasture, right, feed, to, to the still water, to water, refreshment, uh, nourishment, refreshment, uh, rest, okay, and life, to life. What do you, listen, what, what, when you get anxious, what do you turn to? When you, when you have fear rise up in you, what do you do? Do you go grab some brownies out of the cabinet? Now, I'm not laughing. It's not funny because some of us struggle with that. So please be careful about laughing about things, all right? So do you go to the cabinet, get some brownies out, and hurry up and eat several of them? We, we, people say, well, I'm a nervous eater. Well, that's the wrong shepherd. That's the wrong shepherd. And if you, like me, in the old days, used to have that one, people say, well, how, you know, what, what, drink it. When's it wrong? When's it wrong? You know, and all this nonsense. And the truth of the matter is, if I turn to it to relax, it's wrong. If it, what is my reasoning? Why? Y'all with me? And so if I'm having to have a beer, a cold beer to relax, or any, any, any intoxicating drink, that's the wrong shepherd. It's the wrong shepherd. You say, how do you know? Because I've tried. But also I've read and not only that, I've seen. I've heard the testimonies of the children who watch you do what you do, and you think nobody knows, and it's tearing their little lives apart. And they're learning how to do something. They're learning how to be shepherded by something that will destroy them. And so sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's substances, Right? Sometimes it's nicotine. Sometimes, you with me? I just got to go have a dip. I got to have a smoke. I got to, I got to, these things just calm me down, right? And that is the wrong shepherd. And then maybe we'd say, well, some of us, some of us say, I don't got any of that in my life. Well, I want to check for just a minute your work schedule. Because I know many who'll say, you know, I just can't take it at home, so I go to work. And at work, I find peace. Wrong shepherd. Wrong shepherd. I want you to know that you and I are very creative in that which we turn to to shepherd our souls. Some of us, our shepherd is our success. And so when we don't get the job or when things don't work out the way that we should or we don't make the grade that we wanted to make because our success is our shepherd, we won't. When alcohol is our shepherd, we won't. When, when nicotine is our shepherd, we won't. And when, and when acceptance by people is our shepherd, we won't. We won't. And by the way, want is a painful and destructive thing. Want, it's a, it's a lack of contentment, never satisfied. Got to do more, got to have more. And it drives your thoughts and your time. And all of a sudden, your measurement of days are over and you die. And what a sad way to waste the resources of God, being shepherded by the wrong thing. Did you know that a Christian can be shepherded by the wrong thing? Let me ask you all again because I only heard a few answers. Did you know that a, that a Christian can be shepherded by the wrong thing? Yes. Yeah. Remember what I told you about my weight? <laughs> you, you know who it was that shepherded me into complacency in my physical? It wasn't Jesus. Listen to me. It wasn't Jesus who said, Terry, don't worry about going to the gym. Don't worry about what you eat. That wasn't Jesus. The wrong shepherd. The wrong shepherd. And I'm telling you that you and I so often, but we'll say, no, no, no. We'll read the 23rd Psalm and we'll say, oh, Jesus is my shepherd. And it's a day-by-day, minute-by-minute, decision-by-decision. Who is it that you and I turn to? What is it that we lean on when we're nervous? You know what's funny? When we're anxious, when we're angry. You know what's interesting? We just now, some of us right now in this moment are having a harsh realization that we've turned to some of the wrong shepherds. Y'all with me? And now we have to figure out, we have to just sort of spend a minute and figure out what do we need to do with that, right? Would you, would you agree that because you and I, and I'm not calling anybody out specifically, would you agree that because we've turned to some of the wrong shepherds, we're wanting? And it's painful, isn't it? And listen to me, Jesus didn't die for us to live a life of want, of, of, of painful wanting more, you know? If my wife would just come home, if, if that, that, then our shepherd becomes our marriage. If, if I could just stay sober, my sobriety come, becomes my shepherd. And I want you to know that none of those things can sustain us and lead us to the green pastures and the still water and lie us down that we may be able to rest. Oh, they're, they're, 
they're fool's gold. They give an appearance, and once we say, okay, I'll go your way, we find ourselves at a place sometimes with our heads in our hand, don't we? We just sort of put our head in our hand and go, man, I'm, I'm, I feel worse than I did before. And so, listen, where can I find uh, contentment and not complacency? In the right, y'all help me, in the right. Shepherd, listen to what David said, the Lord. The Lord, that's the key to the whole thing. All of 23rd Psalm would mean nothing if he didn't start out with those first two words. The Lord is my shepherd. David is not the shepherd. The people of God are not the shepherd. He said, this mighty leader, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say the same? Who's shepherding you? Who have you given the high honor that only Jesus deserves? To guide your thoughts, to guide your actions. There's only one shepherd worthy, and his name, y'all say with me again, is Jesus. Number two, I tell you, we're only going to cover one and two today. You ready? Roman numeral two. Everybody okay? Boy, there's some real thought-provoking material right there, isn't it? What did we cover? The Lord is my shepherd. That's all we've covered so far. We didn't even finish that. We only covered the first half. The Lord. The Lord. So if you take the Lord out and you put anything in the blank, the opposite is true. Eating is my shepherd, so I'm always wanting food. Alcohol is my shepherd, so I'm always having to have a drink. Success is my shepherd, so I've always got to be busy and working on nothing but what goals I want to achieve. Is anybody with me out there? Oh, it's so true about our lives, isn't it? It's so easy to happen. It really is. Number two in your notes there, how can I? We're just answering the question two ways tonight from Psalm 23 and verse 1. The question is, y'all help me. Can we say it together? How can I? Oh, mercy. Y'all done lost the question. Here we go. Ready? How can I find contentment and not complacency? Number one, how can we do it? In the, in the right shepherd. You even know his name right in your notes there. Say it with me. His name is Jesus. Personal relationship with Jesus. That's where it's found. That means that when I find situations, when I'm facing things, I really do ask the question, what would Jesus do? And I ask Jesus, Jesus, what should I do? Right? You ever done that when somebody cuts you off in traffic? Uh-oh. Oh, mercy. You know why? Wrong shepherd. Wrong shepherd. You ever do that when you decide what you're going to do on the weekends? You ever, just, you ever just stop on like Wednesday and say, Lord, I'm not going to do a thing this weekend. I'm going to pray and let you tell me what I need to do this weekend. No? You know why? Wrong shepherd. Wrong shepherd. And I've done it. Listen, this isn't somebody preaching down to you. I've done it. So now, the second part we're going to answer here is in being shepherded. Okay? Now, as, I don't know if shepherd is a word or not, but again, you remember from Sunday, we make words up in here sometimes. But we're a family, okay? And that's all, is that all right with y'all? Because do you know what I mean when I mean being shepherded? It's the activity of a shepherd, right? Okay, it's all that's involved with shepherding. So where can I find contentment and not complacency? In being shepherded. Now, I need to have the right shepherd, but what does it mean? It means that I'm being shepherded. Some of us have the T-shirt. Some of us have the bumper sticker. Some of us have, you know, church attendance. But the truth of the matter is in decision by decision and moment by moment, Jesus doesn't have a part. So let's, let's read, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. So he identifies the object, the person, the Lord. And then, he's, and then he talks about what, it, what about the Lord? He's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It means that I find myself as a sheep under his authority. Now, let me ask you a question. In our day and time and the things that we've seen in our lifetime, by the way, we've seen some things, haven't we? Y'all had not forgotten about our COVID season, have you? We've seen some things, haven't we? I remember <clears throat> for the first time going into a gas station and the person telling me I had to go back out because I didn't have a mask on. I remember thinking, what in the world? And I remember hearing this phrase pushed around a lot. Do you remember? See if you remember it. Don't be a... Oh, don't be a what? Interesting, huh? Don't be a sheep. Now, now, why would we say that? What we're saying is if uh, the government is pushing things on you that, that aren't necessarily good, okay? Uh, it means don't just blindly follow, right? Is that, y- y- y'all get what they're saying there when they say don't be a sheep? Don't just blindly follow. So let's take and reverse that and understand what it means. 
it means that we should, in fact, blindly follow Jesus. It means that we shouldn't survey and decide whether or not we agree with him. It means that we shouldn't decide whether or not when we read it in the word of God, if, well, well, that's not what I, I believe. It doesn't matter what you believe and what I believe. We need to begin living our lives. If he's the shepherd, we say the shepherd said it, so I'm doing it. The shepherd said, I'm supposed to make this. Oh, there he goes again. The shepherd said, I'm supposed to, and if I'm a blind sheep of Jesus, not the government of Jesus, I'm going to do what Jesus said without question. He said, make disciples. That's what I'm going to do with my life. I have people say all the time, oh, Brother Terry, I just don't know what I do with my life. I said, oh, good. I'm glad you came to me. I know what you're supposed to do with your life. And I always look shocked. Like I had a, you know, a revelation that God gave me about them. And I said, yeah, I did. It said Matthew 28, 19, and 20. I know what you're supposed to do with your life. They said, how can you know? Because I know. Are you a follower of Christ? Yes. You're supposed to make disciples. Yeah, but I'm talking about like where am I supposed to work? Well, work somewhere you can, you can make money and pay your bills. But while you work there, make disciples. That's the will of God for you. Now, blind sheep means that we say we're not questioning Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. How can you and I ever get to the place where we would blindly follow anybody? Because we have a Western mind. And the Western mind, now, I hope y'all will be all right with this. Listen, just hang with me. The Western mind is quite foolish. It's quite foolish. Because we're under the pressure that we're free. Huh? You think you're free, don't you? Huh? You ever try to go build something on your place without getting a permit? Have you? Guess what? You can't. You ever, you ever done that? I want you to know there's more restrictions on your life than you could ever imagine. And now, I'm, listen, I'm not knocking America. I love America greatest nation on the planet. I believe that with all my heart. But at the same time, we're under this facade that we can just do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it, and that ain't the case. But we take that mentality, and we bring it into our relationship with Jesus, and we start approaching it like we're both shepherds. And so we want to hear his side, and then we have our side, and we want to debate it out, kind of think it through, you know, Western way of doing, make a determination if, we, if it's profitable for us. And then, and then maybe we'll do it, as long as nothing else shiny comes along. And that's not at all what he's talking about. The Lord is my shepherd. Sheep don't get together and say, now, what do y'all think? Y'all think we ought to go to that green pasture? You know something about sheep is that they're not like cattle. You can't drive them. You can't get behind them and push them because they're, they're, you ever heard the term sheepish? <laughs> That's what it means. They scared, man. They'll head in every direction, run right off a cliff. They have to be led. And the person that leads them, the shepherd, has to spend time with them in the fields. And from when they were little lambs, they get to know them, that he feeds them, that he spends time with them, that he meets their needs and cares for their wounds. And, and so, of course, they learn that when he follows, most, when he leads them places, he leads them to places that are contentment, still water to get a drink from, green pastures to feed from. And they learn of his character. Now, how can you and I, how in the world can you and I say, here it is, I'm blind faith, I'll do whatever you say do, here's my life, take it, I'll do whatever you say do as I go about my life. Here's how you ready. We've already learned of our shepherd. He said, oh, wait a minute, where have I learned the cross of Jesus Christ? I love the words of the song that say, I don't know what you're doing. You know, the I'm fighting a battle you already won. The words of that song say, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. And how I operate today in my follow of Jesus is not based on my circumstances of today because I'm, I'm limited. I can only see right here, right now. It's because I glance back over and I look at the cross. It happened way back there. And while I was still a sinner, vile and wretched and rebellious at heart, Jesus went to the cross, the greatest display of love that was ever made when he bled and died for somebody like me. And therefore, that ought to be the motivation. Oh, the love of Christ compels us. We saw that Sunday. And so that ought to be that which says, here's my life. I got this Western way of thinking, God, and I think I need to debate with you, and I think I need to question, and Lord, I want you to take that away, and I want to have a, a follower of Jesus mentality. Here it is, you ready? Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to see the kingdom come here on the earth. What does that mean, one heart at a time coming to Jesus? Whatever it takes to make disciples, what does that look like? It looks like people helping in the nursery and with children and with youth and teachers being raised up to teach small groups and all kinds. It looks like all kinds of stuff. 
And by the way, it's very exciting. Anybody amen to that? When I turned my life over to him, I thought, boy, this is about to get boring because I've had a lot of fun and excitement in dangerous places. But you know what I learned? I've had more fun and had more excitement than I ever thought these two blue eyes would ever see. I'm in my, all, I gotta tell you all this, I'm about to shout. How much time we got? Yeah, I got just a minute. I'm in my office this week and a couple comes in and we're just beginning to share and, 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 and we just get through that, we, we kind of talk through some things and all of a sudden, words are coming out of my mouth that are not processing in my brain. You ever have that happen? Now that can be a bad thing, right? But this was actually a good thing. And so all of a sudden, the gospel's flowing, man. I'm talking about old covenant. I'm talking about Adam and Eve and and Cain and Abel and and sin and how it's separated. And uh, and the Old Testament sacrifice is the first example of the sacrifice of one life for sin when God covered Adam and Eve with animal skins, right? And how that was the principle that carried out through the old covenant sacrificial system where the sins of people were atoned for once a year with the blood of lambs. And what I want you to understand is it was like paying the minimum payment on your credit card and never touching the principle and it would carry over year by year and it was always prophesied and pointed to the Lamb of God who was coming at a specific time it is a virgin birth prophesied thousands of years before the Roman cross was ever invented by Isaiah who said he would die on a cross hallelujah and we find that all of it came to pass and all of the good news that he died for us and rose again and the fact that Jesus came to show us what God's like because God had men had this Old Testament understanding of God that he was a judge with a lightning bolt saying go ahead and mess up I'm finna fry you right now. And we found out a woman's caught in adultery. They throw her naked in front of the group. Old Testament law says stone her to death. They get ready to stone her. And Jesus said, which one of you has not ever sinned? You go ahead and throw it and we'll stone her. They go away and it's just her and him. She's naked. She's she's exposed, embarrassed and certain she's going to die. And here's the son of God, God become man. And he says to her, woman, where are your accusers? And she looks around. Oh, she know. And she's going, good night. Nobody hit me with a rock. And they're not even standing around. And they're gone. She says, there are none. Lord and he said back to her neither do I condemn you now get out of here don't sin that way don't continue in that sin and so we began to understand that he came down so that you and I would understand what God's like and the fact of the matter is that God would rather forgive me and you than have to punish us And so then he experienced what we're like. Another reason he came, he took on the flesh so that he would know what it's like to get tired. I'm thinking about when he stopped by the well and he met that woman who left her water pot. The reason he stopped there that day, the scripture says, because he was weary from the journey. You think God ever been tired before? No. You think ever God, God knew what it felt like to be rejected in human form? No. You think he ever knew what it was like to be punished and crucified? No. And yet he went through all of that to now you and I can have a high priest who can sympathize with all our weaknesses. And then he went to the cross and died in our place. And he did that to appease the wrath of God so that you and I can know him and be right with him. Oh, I wish somebody today would think about the good shepherd. And as I talked to them about the fact that he rose from the grave and the historicity that there's more historical evidence for the death and resurrection of Jesus than there is for our first president of the United States. Can you believe that? We talk through all of that, and they're just sitting and listening, and these words are coming out of my mouth, and I'm saying, good night, what in the world? And we came to a place where I talked about the fact that Jesus Christ is a free gift according to Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, that the wages of sin is death. In other words, our sin earns from us death, which is separation from God, which is horrible news. But the second half of the same verse says, but... The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, which means a gift, number one, is free. The moment that I offer you a gift and you have to do something for it, it then becomes a wage. If I said to you, Big John, I got you a gift, man, but first you got to cut my grass and I'll give you a no, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's a wage. So the, by definition, a gift is completely free. Jesus, the gift of God, you can't earn him. I explained to them that not only is the gift free, but the gift has to be open. And there are a lot of you in here. You know about the gift. You believe the gift's in the wrapping box. You're not confused. You believe this, but you've never received him for yourself. And therefore, the benefits that come with the possession of the gift are not yours. And as I talked through that with this couple, they just sort of looking at the carpet, looking at me, looking at the carpet, looking at me. And I said, can you think of any reason under the sun why you'd not today repent and turn away from you being God? And turn your life over to Jesus. And they both shook their head. No, I about fell out of my chair. And I said, you know, today you can be born again. We talked through that. 
I said, would you, be, would you want to do that? Both of them shook their head, yes, tears in their eyes. I said, good night. I remember sitting there in my chair, y'all. Y'all know I'm a highly excitable character. I'm sitting in my chair trying to hold it together, stay in the conversation, stay in the conversation, stay in the conversation. I want to take off running, but I, you know, they would, they would never, who knows what would have happened. And the Holy Spirit of God, he's so powerful. He kept me in my chair, kept my voice in rhythm, but really my heart's beating all out of whack. And both of the, one at a time, they invited Jesus. I wish, you could have, I wish I could share those holy moments with you where the prayers come from their heart. I don't do the repeat after me stuff. And I'm not saying that if you did that, it's not the way that you came to faith. But I just say, hey, you don't have to repeat to God what you believe. He already knows. I ask him what they believe. But what the scripture says you've got to say with your mouth is you have to agree with him that Jesus Christ is Lord. You've got to come and let him be Lord of your life. And both of them did that. Can you believe that? Now, what the point I'm making to you, yeah, let's give the Lord a little hand clap of praise. What does it mean? It means, it means that, that when I turn to the shepherd, now, what I said to them is this isn't just a prayer. That's the end of the thing. You turn your life over to him. Now, it means you put your hand in his hand, and wherever he says go, you go. And whatever he says do, you do. And that's, there it is. And it's as simple as one thing, getting to know him better every day. And he changes you want to. And he changes, see, I'm telling you, anxiety will no longer be your shepherd. Because no matter what happens, if she comes home, if he doesn't, if, if he comes home, if he don't come home, no matter what happens, no matter if the diagnosis is you got six months or if, or if they say you're, you're healed, you have this contentment. It's not that you're unaware of the danger and deficiency. It's that you're more aware of the shepherd. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Let me read if I can. I'm trying to close, you guys. I, I really am. In being shepherded. Where do I find contentment and not complacency? It's in being shepherded. I can't just pray a prayer and then go about my life my way. No, I surrender like a sheep and I say, now, shepherd, lead me where you want me to go. Teach me how you want me to live. Listen to what happens. Let me give you a verse. John chapter 10, early part of that, verses one through five. Listen close. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them, leads them out. That means Jesus leads, we, look at you guys. Jesus leads, we follow. I'm afraid, I'm afraid our Western way of thinking has jacked that up. And we believe we can just do what we want to do and then drag Jesus along. We just believe we can live how we want to live and then just drag Jesus by the hand right along with us. And his example is something together, altogether different. My sheep, the ones who really belong to me. He said, my sheep, hear my voice, and I lead them out. Lead them out. Some of you here, listen, some of us here and here tonight, some listening out there, some who will listen to the podcast later, the place where you are is being shepherded by a hireling. And Jesus wants to lead you out. He wants to lead you out of the prison of anger. He wants to lead you out of the prison of unforgiveness. Some of you are so worried about the outcome of a certain situation, the sobriety of someone, or how the marriage is going to work out, or the economy, and you're so wrapped up in all the temporary stuff. And I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, I want to lead you out of that so you can have contentment. So you can have contentment. That's what he came and died for. Let me read just a little further along. So he says, he leads them. Did y'all get that? He leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. There's a position clarity. He goes the front, I follow. He leads, I follow. Say it with me. He leads, I follow. There's the, there's the example. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep, listen to this. You need to underline this simple little phrase. And the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of Strangers, two things necessary. Quickly, we're going to close this outline, close in prayer. Number one, these are necessary for being shepherded. You ready? Number one, it will require humility. <clears throat> Write that down, you know. Some of y'all got it just by reading the verse, didn't you? Humility. James 4.10. Can you read it with me? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what will God do? Lift you up. I want to be lifted up, don't you? I can't stand to be anxious. I can't stand to be depressed. Anybody else? I can't stand. That stuff's not fun, man. Y'all, you agree with me? You ever have somebody just say, well, stop doing that. Well, hey, hello. If it's that easy, right? I wouldn't. It's not fun. But what we need to hear is we've been shepherded by the wrong shepherd. 
And what we did here is we'll humble ourselves and begin to do what he says do. Obedience, loving obedience. Not to buy our salvation, you can't. But because of this wonderful relationship, we say, I want to do what you want me to do, Jesus. And if I do, he leads me out of anxiety and fear and unforgiveness. And he's so powerful. He's so powerful. Humility, it'll require humility. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Number two is necessary. You ready to be shepherded? I have to humble myself and stop trying to lead Jesus and I have to humble myself and follow Jesus. Okay? Follow Jesus. Number two, the proper position is follow. What does follow look like? John 14, 15. Read it with me. We're going to go to prayer. If you love me, well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Maybe you'd write that somewhere and put it where you can see it each day. Does it matter how I live my life? Oh, it does. Have you ever said this? I just want to show my love for you. You can. Jesus doesn't want you to buy him flowers. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, if you love me, here's how I'd love for you to express your love for me. You reading? Keep, y'all help me. Keep my commands. I have long endured the battle of the human heart and mind and soul against God that says this, I know God loves me just like I am. I was talking with someone in the middle of their struggle with sin, and they said, I know God loves me just like I am. And I said, listen, I know that too. Well, you, you, you don't agree with my lifestyle. No, I don't. I, I mean, it, I, he doesn't agree with your lifestyle. But I know God loves me. I said, I don't know why we keep going back to that. Because I know he loves you too. That's not the point. The question that you ought to wrestle with is do you love him? And I have had countless people say to me, of course I love him. I know I love him. I said, how do you know you love him? Well, because I feel, I get these Jesus bumps and, and I just, I love, I just love to sing about him. And I said, wait, wait a minute now. But what if Jesus said, there's a way to know uh, and express your love for him. Oh, would you like to know that? And the person always says, yes. I say, good, let me give you a verse. From the mouth of the master. If you love me, keep my commands. Let me lead you. Do what I say do, and you'll come out of that cave, out of that prison, out of that anxiety, under that unforgiveness. You'll come out of there. Let me lead you is what he said. Let me lead you. And our greatest struggle, isn't it, is just simply letting him lead us. Oh, that God would convince your soul and mine tonight that he's worthy to lead us. And where he leads us is to the place of contentment which is what we really want anyway. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Let me say this to you. Jesus' invitation at salvation, I think it's written in your notes there. You, some of y'all looking at a blank and you can't go to prayer because you see an empty blank. Jesus' invitation at salvation was to follow him as a shepherd. Listen closely, all right? He desires to shepherd your thoughts. Jesus does. He desires to shepherd your emotions. He does. He, he desires to shepherd your marriage. Anybody out there? Jesus desires to shepherd, think about it now. He desires to shepherd our relationships with our friends and our children. And so here's the question I want you to ponder for just a moment. Are you leading or are you following? Have you really decided to follow Jesus? And if not, what better time than now? Now, I want to say the altar's open, and I want to say, would you stand with me to make possible those on your road that may just want to come down and spend some time with Jesus? I believe somebody right now is under sweet conviction. It's uncomfortable, and the Spirit's saying, come on down, let's meet at the altar, just me and you. So I'm going to encourage you tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed. Come on, don't wait, don't hesitate. If the Spirit of God is drawing in your heart, just come on down. Maybe the first time you've ever come down an altar in your whole life, and the Spirit's saying, you need to come down there, me and you just need to meet, just me and you. So I encourage you to do that. It's a sweet spot. When's the last time you responded to what God's calling you to do publicly? Has your chair become so comfortable that you're not willing to just sort of 
get out of that and come on down. There may be somebody that you brought that came with you that just needs you. God right now is telling you, just take them by the hand and go down and pray for them. Who's your shepherd? I can't do, I can't. If he's calling, you need to do it. He's the shepherd. Follow him. If you're here tonight, you've never given your life to King Jesus. I beg you, I beg you. Be reconciled with God. Only Jesus can do that. Tonight, as we have this opportunity to lift our voices in prayer and in song, however the Spirit of God is leading you, I beg you, respond. If he's calling you to salvation, be saved. If he's calling you to swap shepherds, come on, somebody. Somebody needs to come to this altar and say, oh, Jesus, forgive me. I've been following the wrong shepherd. And tonight, I'm putting my follow back in you. Shepherd me. Somebody right now needs to call out to him. Shepherd me, Jesus. Shepherd me. Somebody in here tonight, you're, you're sick and tired of the anxiety. Would you call on him to shepherd your emotions tonight? Just like, Jesus, would you come and shepherd my emotions? I'm all over the map. I believe with all my heart somebody tonight's going to be healed emotionally. Call on him. He's the good shepherd. Nothing is impossible with him. So I want to say the altar's open. Gerald's coming down already. I'm going to be down just a moment. You come. You come. You know, I just feel, Shane, would you and Dawn come? I just feel compelled to ask you guys too, if you would. Hey, these guys are here. Gerald's here. Come on, just come. somebody here needs to come say, hey, dude, pray for me. Pray for me. I've been shepherded by unforgiveness. Come on, he's waiting down here for you. Shane's waiting. Ladies, Dawn's down here. Just come out of your chair. Just ease down right now. Say, hey, you know what? I've been shepherded by the wrong thing. Would you just simply pray? You just have to simply pray. Pray that I'd be shepherded by Jesus. That's a wonderful prayer for somebody to pray for you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Come on, people are coming right now. Come on, leave out of your chair. Come on down. They'd love to have the opportunity to pray for you. So, Father, I pray your kingdom would come and your will would be done. And that we would really learn what it means to find the place of contentment and not complacency following Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.